Hello and welcome to Humanitarian AI Today. Humanitarian AI Today is a podcast series produced by the Humanitarian AI Meetup.com groups in Cambridge, San Francisco, New York City, Toronto and Zurich. I'm Mia Kosciavelli, your host, and today we've got Dr. Samir Maski joining us from New York City. Welcome, Dr. Samir Maski, a founder and CEO of Fuse Machines and um, adjunct professor at Columbia, machine learning, natural language processing. We have an audience interested in all of these topics, so let's jump in and hear all about it. Thank you for having me over, Mia. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Machine learning AI is very, very uh, much in the news all over these days and with so many applications being built. Do you want to maybe just introduce our audience a little bit? There's so much to talk about you and what your background is. Can, can we just uh, hear a little bit about your story? That would be really lovely. Sure, sure. So I, I grew up in Nepal, a developing country, and where, you know, education quality may not be as good as many of the Western world, uh, but I was one of the lucky ones to get a scholarship to come to the United States to study. And I was, from early on, I got interested in AI, computer science, and ended up getting a PhD in computer science uh, in machine learning related field like natural language processing. I worked at IBM Watson Research Center for a couple of years, and then I now I teach um, various AI courses at Columbia University. Uh, along with uh, running Fuse Machines, uh, which is a company based out of New York, uh, located in other countries as well, Nepal, Dominican Republic as well. Um, we are about 200 people. And what we do is we try to go to underserved communities and try to provide a really good AI education to a lot of the engineers there who are, who are striving for high quality AI education. And when they get a really good quality uh, AI education, particularly taking these courses in natural language processing, computer vision, machine learning, and deep learning, we hire them at Fuse Machines, provide them job opportunities, and connect them with interesting applications and projects being built in Nepal, in the US, in Canada, in Europe, and all over the world. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So you're nurturing this talent. What what are you finding? Is it an area that is growing? Uh, are people keen to learn? What's the um, the general sort of some some of the challenges you're facing and some of the wonderful things that you're providing um, and the results from those? Uh, sure. So there's obviously a lot of interest from a lot of students in the whole world trying to learn AI. Uh, a lot of colleges and universities are trying their best to expand their class sizes to keep up with the demand, but you know the demand is completely outpacing the number of seats available in some of the colleges and universities. Okay. And that's sort of the problem that we're trying to address by providing these highly um, useful uh, workforce skill sets, the things that you could apply at work on learning these things. Uh, which are these four different topics. Uh, there's definitely a lot of demand on trying to learn these uh, skill sets. Can you just uh, walk us through the Fuse machine story? What exactly d does one do to, to learn? Sure. So this, this started uh, a couple of years ago as we were building our own products and we needed machine learning engineers, I realized that you know we could train some of the engineers in Nepal uh, where I grew up. 
And so the, the things that I used to teach at Columbia University, I taught the same things with the same kind of content, assessments, and so forth uh, to some of the talented students in Nepal. And then I realized, you know, if the students get the same kind of resources and access to faculty, they can be equally good as some of the students at Columbia. And that started this genesis of starting a fellowship program Nepal, where we took Columbia MicroMasters through EDX and then provide a scholarship to learn these four courses as part of Columbia MicroMasters. And as we did that, where the students took these video courses, did the assessment, started getting these uh, Columbia MicroMasters certificate, I realized that, okay, we could try, we could scale it even more. And with that process, um, we at Fuse Machine started creating our own courses, these four core courses. And now it is run as uh, our own centers and schools in different places. Plus, in order to really scale it up, we also run it in a franchise model where some of the colleges are licensing our platform to provide this high quality education to the current students in their own colleges. So yeah. multiple colleges now who have licensed the franchise franchises to run these uh, classes in their own schools. So if you are a student and you're thinking about taking these classes, you can take it in two ways. One, you could go to the centers themselves, so that's Fuse Machine Centers, or you can find out if the college that you go to uh, is providing these classes, uh, our classes through the college uh, learning program. And if that's the case, then you can take it uh, from your own college as well. Lovely. Well, that's such a nice connection, and it's nice that it's scaling up. You mentioned the DR. Are you are you taking into account local language factors, or is it is it in English? How are you managing all of that? So right now it's mostly in English because we hire them and then we connect them with job opportunities, which are mostly a lot of them are in in English speaking countries like United States, Canada, United Kingdom, and so forth. Uh, but uh, we've already seen that there is a need for translating into local languages. So in DR, we are translating into uh, Spanish. We are also planning to offer in Japan as well. So we are starting to translate in Japanese. So the future I see is these four core courses uh, will be translating into many different languages. The students locally uh, who are really good um, in math and computer science, but may not have the same level of skill set in English, gets the equal chance to learn it in their own native language. I wonder if this is a little opportunity to maybe uh, touch on natural language processing and, um, you know, working with Q&A and, you know, a, what, what languages are you using in, in that? I, I have a hard time personally using Siri because of my accent, so I've just completely given up. I just don't even bother, to be honest. Um, but, but since we're talking about languages and you're, that's one of your fields, I'd love to hear about what, what you're doing there. Sure. Uh, as a whole, uh, natural language uh, understanding is a hard problem. There's a lot of things that's being done natural language processing for question answering systems, dialogue systems like Siri, uh, Google Home, Alexa, and so forth. And there's been uh, quite a quite a few, quite a few new developments in the whole dialogue system world, where people are starting to talk to their TVs and uh, you know ovens and whatnot, right? which is quite amazing. Uh, and so Everything forth. Smart, yeah. 
but I think there is still a long ways to go, right? I mean, uh, you can ask Alexa, what's the weather like, or play my favorite uh, song, but it, we are still still far from sitting down with Alexa and then said, Alexa, did you read this book? And then having 25 minute conversation just on the book. So, so from that perspective, there is still uh, some ways to go to build a machine learning NLP system that can just understands everything we talk about, really understands and can be talked back and forth. But there's still things we can do even with the current state of the art systems though. And one of the things we are doing within Fuse Machines where we are using natural language processing techniques to improve the student's experience is what we call AI tutoring system. So one of the things one wants to do when you are teaching uh, is in an ideal world, you would teach pretty much one-on-one -on -one to everybody so that you can give that time and energy as a professor to individual students so they can really learn and you can figure out on a one-on-one -on -one basis what the student is not understanding and adapt your teaching accordingly. But that's not the case when you are teaching in masses. So how do you take account of this disconnect between can we provide a fully personalized learning experience versus you have to teach the whole class. And in order to connect that chasm, what we have built is what's called AI tutoring system. Uh, and it's embedded in our platform. So as you learn a piece of content, let's say somebody learned a linear regression model or you know a text classification systems, after it, you finish learning that, you have an AI system that asks you questions related to that topic. Answer that, it's all voice enabled system. You talk to the system and then it asks you more questions. Uh, and we, uh, looks like uh, that helps in overall learning experience. And that's one example of how we are using natural language processing in Fuse Machines. Uh, how far has it come and how far does it need to go before you can be satisfied? Uh, it's in early phases. The, the first early test seems to work decently well. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not uh, shaping it as, you know, here's the AI assistant that's just going to understand what you say uh, and then figure out everything that needs to ask you. It, it's more of a system where you you provide a decently long speech describing what you understood and it will ask you a bunch of questions. So it's limited in scope, uh, but we hope we'll be able to collect more interactions uh, and then based on that data, we'll be able to retrain the system to get to a point where it is doing a truly personalized learning, providing that personalized learning experience. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. So, so you've got a deep connection to Nepal and I noticed you won an award for uh, tech uh, there uh, in August. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, can you share more about that award perhaps and um, AI, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this, AI Shikshia? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the award was recently, it's called Information ICT Award. Uh, it, it was ICT uh, award to be given to basically uh, somebody who was originally from Nepal, may not be in Nepal anymore and living ab abroad. So among that diaspora, um, you know, awarding somebody who's made a contribution to Nepal's ICT environment and uh, growth. So that's what the award was about. Uh, I think it was mainly tied to the work we've been doing in Nepal on 
enabling the AI community and bringing up the AI community to to the to the world and exposing that you know there's a lot of AI talent in Nepal that could do very interesting work. That's pretty much tied with uh, the what we call AI Siksha for Nepal. Uh, and AI Siksha Siksha means education in Sanskrit and in Nepali. It's basically translates to AI education in Nepal. And this is basically a campaign from Fuse Machines um, on our mission to democratizing AI, uh, particularly in Nepal. We want as many students as possible across all backgrounds, all over Nepal, across all provinces, to have that access to the best AI education possible. And that's what we are doing. And as we, as I was mentioning before, we are doing that by partnering with a lot of colleges who are now franchising our AI platform and overall uh, content and teaching methods to teach individual, like teach all the students in each of these individual colleges and universities. And something about students, is there something you could advise them? What should they be aware of when they start learning AI? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. And I actually get that question quite a bit. So basically, uh, if, you're, if you want to learn AI, if you want to learn machine learning, you need to make sure that you know the math behind it. Like, there's a, yeah, machine learning is a lot of math. The reason it's slightly harder to learn than learning a new programming language is if you want to pick up a new programming language, you know, you can take a lot of tutorials, uh, learn a decent amount in three months. But math is layers and layers of foundations, right? So what you mm -hmm. learn in fifth grade is used on seventh grade and then 10th grade and you learn calculus, then you learn multivariable calculus and so forth. So there's no shortcut to learning math. You just have to put in your time and effort. And uh, machine learning is a lot of math. It's a lot of linear algebra, probability, statistics, combined with algorithms, data structures, and programming of computer science. Those are the key topics that you need to understand very well. And if you are a software engineer who is trying to get into the machine learning, that means you already have half of the stuff that needs needed to be a machine learning engineer. And if you are, uh, so you need to learn other half on the math side. And if you are a mathematics student, applied math students, and don't do programming, you need to learn the other half. And if you know both sides, then you become a good machine learning engineer. Right. Uh, do you feel there's a, a bit of an AI talent shortage epidemic? I was at a Forbes 30 under 30 event here in San Francisco that, that was kind of an ancillary thing with Dreamforce happening. And it, it, it was interesting. A lot of people were like, you know, talking about that. That was a topic that came up. And I was wondering if that's something you're facing. Um, or, or do you think it might be a lot of hype what, that's going on at the moment? So I think overall, if we talk just at the high level on the hype on AI in general, I think there's a, a bit of overhype on how AI can do everything, right? I think there's a yeah. bit too much of a hype there. But as when it comes to the, the talent shortage, it's, it's real. It's, it's not just hype. And we see that because we work with clients who basically bang their heads trying to find an AI talent for like four months and then couldn't find it. And whatever the reason is, they've come to us saying, okay, we can't seem to find the AI talent we need. Can you, do you have a team that uh, we, we can hire? Do you have students coming from your educational programs that we can hire and so forth? 
Uh, so the, the, it, the problem is real, and you know, we have done some of our own, for our own research as well. There's, like even when we did some research in June, there were more than 100,000 open jobs in some of the job sites for machine learning AI. Uh, like that's a lot of jobs. And as you see with all the hype, there's more and more companies wanting to do more and more things with AI, which means the demand for AI engineers is going to keep on going up. So at least for a while, for the next few years, the talent shortage problem is very real. That's a lot to keep up with, and it, it, it seems to change so rapidly as well. And yeah, if you go the Elon Musk way, we're going to end up with um, brain machine interfaces so we can keep up with the talent, perhaps. But um, that's another conversation. Um, one of the big purposes for our community, the, the humanitarian AI uh, community, is. Um, AI for good, and I understand you opened up talking a little bit about how much you care about um, AI for good. Can you please um, just tell us a little bit about what it means to you? So uh, it means several things uh, to us. Basically, how can we use AI to provide opportunities that was not possible for masses of people, right? There's a, there's a big disparity in wealth uh, education opportunity, job opportunities uh, around the world, whereas you know some people are living on two, less than two dollars a day, while you know uh, there's there's some people control a big chunk of the wealth. So I think AI for good can do is uh, like make that opportunity more accessible to everybody. And just an education is one example, right? So there's a disparity on the quality of education one would get in one of the, the, the cities or like in developing country or even the, in the inner cities of some of the, like in the United States now versus these very fancy private schools. The, the number of student to teacher ratio is very different. Now, can we build an AI tutor system like we were talking about to provide yeah. the same level of personalized learning for everybody? which is only feasible if there is an AI system that can do provide that personalized learning experience. So that's one example for AI for good, right? The other example would be we've, we've been working on uh, these drones, but in, in some countries, drones are being used to deliver things, right? To improve the faster delivery. But on a country like Nepal, where it's such a mountainous reasons, carrying medicine uh, two miles high up or like, you know, yeah. like 2,000 meters high up does take time while drones do pretty good job on being able to vertically fly pretty fast. Yeah, I, uh, I've seen videos of women with their children climbing up. It's, it's just, you know, one of the most amazing things I've seen. And yeah, you're looking at ways to help. So, so apart from uh, learning about AI for good, Anything else that, that we can utilize AI for good outside of education that you can think of? That the drones is one that that, yeah. that would be like to, to get medical supplies. That sounds yeah. great. And then so the education side. Any anything else that you need or that you can think of that intersects with AI for good? Yeah, I mean, uh, so like I said, on the on the drones to deliver the medicine, but in a similar vein. Within the medicine itself, being able to use AI to do diagnosis remotely, right? So in the villages, 
lot of people don't have access to good doctors. There might be a skin problem. You could have, you could imagine a system that you could take a picture of the skin, and the machine could quickly detect uh, if something's wrong with the skin. That sounds amazing. So, is this already deployed? Like, is this already up and running, or is this um, plan in planning stage? So, for for the the automatic diagnosis and telemedicine, at least for some of that part, we are we are not building it uh, for fuse machines. We are helping some other companies to uh, build their own products with the, the talent that graduates from our education program. Uh, and we have seen we have seen it. It makes quite a bit of difference. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. The, the, these applications just make it so real and so, you know, that, that humanitarian benefit of, of AI for good. Um, and, and I know we're running out of time and I'd really like to close with um, anything you'd like to share with our audience including if there's anything you may need from uh, we, we have a lot of data scientists and people that um, you know follow humanitarian AI today so I would love to hear any takeaways you'd like to share sure. or anything you may need so uh, our, our mission is uh, democratizing AI uh, which basically for, for us meaning means making a high quality AI education accessible to everybody in underserved communities, uh, be it in Nepal, uh, you know, South Africa, DR, or inner cities of the United States, right? Now, in order to do that, in order to fulfill our this mission, we've been working hard by building all these platforms, training the teachers and so forth. Uh, and so as one of the asks uh, for all of the listeners, if you have a PhD, or you're highly trained in machine learning and is interested on this mission of bringing AI education to the world and would be part of our faculty or part of our curriculum uh, improvement uh, so that you are able to provide, make an impact on the education of AI um, of a lot of students in underserved communities, then we would like to hear from you, right? Um, go to fusemachines.com or write to in info at that sounds great well this has been absolutely wonderful talking to you and um, thanks for giving us your precious time to share your insights and and all these great things you're doing thank you dr samir maski and um that brings us to a close today bye for now bye thank you thank you bye.